morning, everyone, and welcome to Julius Baer's Moving Markets podcast. It's Thursday, the 26th of January, and my name is Helen Freer. Coming up on today's show, we have Norbert Rucker, who has all the latest for us on the energy markets. And then Nicola Jordan will fill us in on the investment committee's latest thoughts. But to start off with, I will give you a quick roundup of the latest market news. Let's start with the US then, where there were no big movements in the major markets yesterday. The S&P 500 and the Dow Jones ended the day broadly flat, and the Nasdaq Composite closed down 0.2%. Earlier on in Europe, all of the major indices here ended the day in the red yesterday, although the moves were pretty small. The Eurostox 50 index lost 0.1% over the day, and the SMI was basically flat, closing just slightly in the red. Yields dropped in yesterday's trading, and the US 10-year Treasury yield has also fallen by another basis point in overnight trading. So it's now at 3.44%. In commodities, the oil price steadied with investors thinking about the outlook for Chinese demand. And gold prices hit a nine-month high earlier this morning before they also steadied. With speculation that the US Federal Reserve might be getting closer to pausing rate hikes, the Bloomberg dollar spot index has dropped to a one-week low ahead of the PCE data, which will come out in the US tomorrow. And these numbers might show that inflation fell further last quarter. And attention will also turn later today to the Q4 US GDP data that could also set the tone for the Fed's meeting next week. Meanwhile, the Japanese yen has strengthened against all of the other G10 currencies. And some interesting statistics relating to smartphones, which of course are a barometer for the demand for chips. Global smartphone shipments fell by 18.3% in the December quarter relative to a year earlier. And that's the worst quarterly drop on record and reflects a clear slowdown in demand. In corporate news, Tesla reported better than expected results last quarter. But the company gave mixed signals on the outlook for growth in output. Elon Musk said that the outlook provided was conservative, though, and he said demand will be good despite probably a contraction in the automotive market as a whole. Tesla shares gained more than 5% in after-hours trading. Companies reporting earnings today include LVMH and Nokia. Nokia have reported better than expected earnings and said that demand remains robust. And in the US later, Visa and MasterCard will publish their results. In terms of economic data, we'll get manufacturing and consumer confidence figures from Sweden and Italy a little later this morning. And looking at markets in Asia this morning then, markets in mainland China are still closed. And the Nikkei closed down 0.1%. But when I looked a few minutes ago, the Hang Seng Index was up over 2%. Hong Kong-listed tech companies actually surged more than 3% after traders came back from the New Year holiday. And in Europe and the US, futures were up when I looked a few minutes ago, pointing to a positive start to the day. So that's all from me. But let's find out more now about the energy markets. Norbert, what are your latest thoughts here? Well, let's start maybe with the big topics that we see on commodity markets generally. This is, for example, the China reopening, which has been really lifting up the sentiment, especially in the metal side, but also some sort of the uh, the oil market. Uh, the second topic is the energy crisis, uh, all centered about Europe, where the abating of this crisis really continues. And we see uh, 
uh, quite some downdraft in uh, natural gas prices and thus also in electricity prices because these two markets are so linked. And uh, lastly, the third topic, most likely, is uh, gold, the upside in gold prices that we have seen. Um, despite an environment where risk aversion is uh, cooling, some optimism starts to build, but this is really mainly the mirror image of the weakness in the dollar that we see. Um, if we focus a bit on the energy-related topic, if we start with the, the oil market, uh, as mentioned, uh, oil prices have been up, partially related to the China reopening story, which really has been injecting a bit more optimism, a bit more of a positive mute. Uh, fundamentally, uh, we don't think this is a game changer. We've always had in the cards that there will be some upside from uh, Chinese oil demand. And we don't think that it's reopening, it happens faster than expected generally, is really shifting the fundamental balances in the oil market. Oil demand in China has been strong throughout, also last year, throughout all these COVID challenges, especially if you look at the road mobility uh, side. And the element that really sticks out would be the faster than expected the resumption of air travel. But if you look at Chinese air travel, uh, in perspective, the overall oil market, there we are on the basis points, 50 basis points, something of that, in terms of relevance of the global oil market. So this is really rather something, something marginal. So we stick to our neutral view on oil. We continue to see incrementally lower oil prices going forward, just as the futures market also does. And we don't expect that the oil market tips into a tightening mode, but stays in an easing mode, because simply there's a sufficient supply to meet the demand. And I think the big offsetting topic is definitely that we see demand destruction structurally because of the rapid increase in penetration rates of electric vehicles in the Western world and also in China. If you look at the European energy crisis, um, things continue to ease. Uh, gas storage is full to its frame for this time of the season. And yes, there was some help from weather uh, because it was normally mild um, so far in the heating season. But structurally, there's also the element that there's simply sufficient supply because the overseas imports, the liquefied natural gas imports or energy imports can fully compensate the curtailments by Russia. So it's only help from the weather. It's not that help uh, the weather itself, the weather wildcard really saved uh, Europe. Um, so we agree with what has been happening in the market that the economic concerns about the crisis, energy crisis impact on, on Europe, that they uh, are easing. Um, we always had a bit more optimistic views of the growth factor um, for energy. And we continue to stick to our bearish views because we think this is a cyclical shock, an extreme cyclical shock that happened over the past one and a half years. It's not something structural. There's no structural scarcity. That's why we continue to believe that this crisis might ease as fast as it appeared. That's why we continue to see more downside to gas prices and thus also electricity prices in Europe. That's it from commodities. Thanks. Okay, great. Thank you very much, Norbert. Nicola, great to have you on today's show as well. You're here to update us on this week's investment committee meeting. So what does the IC's current positioning look like? Well, thank you, Helen, and good morning, everyone. I think our current view can be summarized as follows. Due to various reasons, we see the likelihood of a recession in the US as significantly lower than the inverted yield curves and the consensus of economists would have us believe. In line with this view, we have recommended a neutral exposure to risky assets since late October. This means that our multi-asset portfolios are currently capturing the upside in the first weeks of 2023 and are in line with our strategic and tactical asset allocations. But interestingly enough, some of our peers seem to have an even greater exposure to risky assets than we do. 
even though the research analysts are busy predicting an imminent US recession and a collapse in corporate profit margins. So what does that mean in terms of relative performance to these peers? Well, as risky assets as well as the euro and gold have outperformed so far this year, it means that our Swiss franc and US dollar portfolios are slightly lagging in relative terms. While this divergence is definitely worth analyzing, we have to keep in mind that we are only a few weeks into the year and a lot can happen and certainly will happen in the coming month. And is the investment committee planning to make any changes then based on the current situation? Well, our analysis shows that we currently have a slightly lower risk load in portfolios than the peer group average. We are less negative than the market consensus on the US dollar and therefore less exposed to the euro, gold and emerging markets. Given the strong rally in these asset classes since the US dollar peaked last autumn, we are pretty comfortable with our current positioning and we intend to maintain it. Let's quickly look at bond markets now, which had a very challenging year last year. How has this year started off for the fixed income space? It's clear to see that both falling interest rates and favorable credit markets have boosted bond returns as of late. Although yields have fallen recently, we believe they continue to offer attractive opportunities as they are still trading at levels we have not seen for more than a decade. But it's important to mention that valuations have become more expensive again as credit spreads have gradually narrowed. And as far as the primary market is concerned, we see the new issue market booming again after a slow year and bond investors are happily absorbing the extra volume. This is definitely an indication for improved sentiment in the market. But in the end, everything will depend on whether the Fed is willing to acknowledge the recent progress or not when deciding about their coming rate hikes. That's it from my side. Back to you, Helen. Thank you very much, Nicola. So that's all for today. Thank you again to our speakers this morning and thank you everybody for tuning in. I wish you all a great day and do join us again tomorrow when we'll have an update for you on currencies and digital assets. Bye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Für unsere deutschsprachigen Zuhörer, we would also like to make you aware of Marktanalysen und Gespräche, a monthly podcast in German, where Julius Bear experts discuss some of the latest market developments. We share our key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape in German. Search for Marktanalysen und Gespräche on your favorite podcast player.